everyone. Welcome to a brand new episode of What Are You Talking About? Today, I'm joined by Rory McKernan, a hugely prominent figure within CrossFit Media and now within CrossFit Mayhem, one of the biggest affiliates and training camps in the world. We chat about what it was like working in HQ and CrossFit Media over the biggest growth period in CrossFit's history. Not only do we talk about some incredible moments within the elite level of the sport, but we also talk about the real meaning of CrossFit and community. It's a truly special episode, this one, and I am so glad I got to have this chat with Rory. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. And as always, don't forget to like, rate and subscribe. Enjoy. Rory, thank you so, so much for joining me. It's an absolute pleasure to have you. How are things? Wonderful. Yeah, good morning from where I am. Where are you? Where's that lovely accent from? So I am Southwest England, so down by the beach, which is nice. Although I would much prefer to be where you are. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, we're turning a corner. Like we have this little window here in Tennessee where we've got just amazing weather and, uh, but the cold is coming. So don't be too jealous. Um, and actually just random, but my father is from Hampshire. Like are you familiar with a small town I'm, called Aldershot? Yeah. I'm not far from there at all. That's funny. That's where my father grew up. So I've I've been I've been to your your hood a couple of times, many times actually. Oh my gosh! Wow, what a small world, isn't it? Yeah, some, some good CrossFit gyms around here. It's good to hear. Yeah, it's good to hear. Um, this was before I even knew about CrossFit. It was probably the last time that I came to Aldershot. But um, yeah, I love I love to hear that. Wow. Oh my goodness. And so yeah. much, so much so that you got to start your show, which is awesome. Well, there you go. Absolutely. It's that's such a small world. Um. I know you've been in Tennessee for a few years now. Um, I want to, we're going to go from the beginning, but I, I feel like I need to start because just a couple of days ago, I watched the new Mayhem documentary, which is out on YouTube yeah. now, the, the Heart of Mayhem. And I mean, it brought me to tears. I'm sure it brought many people to tears. Um, I just want to touch on it quickly because obviously it Please. is yeah, yeah, the world. Um, what an incredible story, obviously of just one member, but how was it bringing that together and being a part of that? I mean, tremendous. And and when we talk about my CrossFit journey, I guess it'll it'll probably make more sense. But um, it really, not just for myself, but for for most of the team here, like you know, I think, and I even said it in the video, like people forget that Rich Froning has like a thirteen year old affiliate. Like Mayhem's been around since what many people would consider early days, even though you know CrossFit was was ten years old by that time. Um, and I'm really homegrown. So, um, I was around before the CrossFit games were around and what's happening out there with there's hundreds of members, you know, it was one of the, one of the really attractive things about coming to Cookville was we came to visit and I saw this incredible community. I was like, wow, this is, this is exactly what you look for when you're going to move your family, move your kids across the country and you're, and you're going to plug into a community. Obviously I was going to continue to do CrossFit because it was, it's what I do on a daily um, and it's where you find most of our social connections, et cetera. So yeah, I was, I was overly impressed at that time. So to answer your question more directly, like, what was it like bringing it to light? It's something we've been talking about for so long that to be able to share that and to see the impact it had, or even to like, just to hear you say that you want to start by talking about it, it makes my heart really happy because, um, there are, like you said, as one member, there's hundreds more who, and, and everybody's got their own thing. Like I'm sure you do. I have my own kind of, uh, you know, unique struggles and battles and things that, that CrossFit outside of like the way that you look and the way that you feel, um, have benefited us. So, um, God, I'll, I'll talk for an hour about it. Uh, but it was, it was, um, 
and I said this in the video too, and I believe it, that it's probably one of the most important things that we've done from a media perspective, um, reminding people that, yes, I just literally walked from the other room and Roman Krennikov is doing handstand walks over obstacles and just, you know, beating people up. Uh, Lazar Duchik is here. And to me though, what was right next to them was um, the longevity class. So you had a bunch of gray hairs who were just doing their modified version of a workout and just getting in here to kind of stay better at life. Um, so it's a really, really long-winded answer, but it was, I mean, everything to me, like uh, we, we love Phil. So that was my, that was what I kept trying to remind the team about. I was like, it's perfect, but it could be so much better. We love it so much because we're so far inside of it. Like Phil is our guy. We are very emotionally connected to him. And so trying to continue to like zoom out and be like, how can we make the actual media piece better? You know, where can we enhance it? Um, what needs to stay? What needs to go? Um, that was a difficult part. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm tremendously proud um, of the media team here who's just incredible. And then to be able to show that to the world. And, and I think it came at a good time to remind people, hey, this is the real stuff. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And it's funny you mentioned what you said, because I've literally written down people forget mayhem is an affiliate and that's exactly what you said and it's we all do we're all guilty of it and I think we all go into our own gyms but we can get so caught up in the entirety of elite CrossFit and I think yeah. there's a lot of talk at the moment the last few weeks the media are like is CrossFit dead is it this is it that and I think actually the timing of this documentary coming out because the whole point of CrossFit is community and his stories like Phil's and the timing of it as you say like it's not just it's not just about the elite crossfitters it's about the people that go in day in day out and probably the people that are listening to this I, I mean if any elite crossfitters are listening thanks but <laughs> probably yeah, most totally. of the people are are those people so I just thought the timing of it was so special um so it must have been incredible to be a part of yeah I'm, I'm glad to hear that um yeah, I think you're right. And, and we, we were guilty of that in some respects, because we, um, you know, we published a, a newsletter with that headline, which isn't our style at all. Um, but the fact of the matter is like, uh, and I, I've said this a lot as well. Um, it's, it's actually shocking, if we're being honest, that we've been through so much turmoil as as a community in terms of um, you know, what's happened with the organization and, and um, people with everything that everyone um, has, has dealt with, COVID, gym shutting down, things like that, um, that I don't think that, that most communities would survive, right? They would splinter. And so uh, my, my takeaway, at least in my life, CrossFit will never die. Like it's, it's, there's, there's nothing that could happen that would make it, there was nothing that would happen that would change the reality that, that training in the way that we train with the lifestyle that we train with and the friendships and, and even like, I, you know, I met my wife at a CrossFit gym that you create within that context um, is going to magically go away um, because whatever less people are searching on Google or um, the organization itself is having, you know, difficulties, um, you know, pulling together some, some strings that are loose. Um, but yeah, you can't, you can't kill the vibe. You can't kill the soul of it. Right. Absolutely. And it's, it's things like that documentary that really bring us to it. And I think actually, I wasn't going to mention this, but the day that we're filming this is not going to come out today, but it's world mental health day today. And the amount I, I have seen on social media already today about, and I, you know, I can admit it about how CrossFit has changed lives and saved lives for the better is so incredible and I think you're so right there in saying that it will never die because CrossFit didn't start with the CrossFit Games and with elite CrossFitters it started with an affiliate and a community yeah. 
So yeah, yeah, you give uh, you gotta give credit, um, you know, to it came together. And again, we're about to probably go through this because we're going back in time. But um, there was there was a point in time when uh, Greg Glassman was saying, kind of his his uh, his popular thought at that time was. You know, somebody walks through the door and of course they're going to talk through fitness goals. You're going to talk about where you want to be in five, five months or six months, whatever. Um, but he was like, I encourage you guys to have them write down the intangibles. Um, what are the things that you want to get better at period, put them in a closed envelope, open them up a year later. And maybe it's a bit of an exaggeration, but I don't think so. In the context of what you're saying is like, you find that, yeah, sure. I look better naked, but more importantly, I got out of a bad relationship or, um, I'm, you know, I just, my, my mental health is stronger. I'm, I've got less anxiety, all, all these things that you're like, wait, I thought we were talking about fitness here. And you're like, yeah, we, we are. But when you pair it with this community and you pair it with the, um, the camaraderie that, that comes along with it, just kind of as a, as a byproduct, um, there are these incredible results that you see And Phil. Yeah. Phil, that's why we started with him is just like, he, he couldn't be a better spokesperson for that. Absolutely. So you went back in time there. So let, let's go yeah. back. Uh, was it I'm I've seen this figure somewhere so I could be wrong was it 2005 you started CrossFit Mm, 2005 is probably when I found CrossFit on the internet and so um growing up I was an athlete and I played um American football and I played um you know basketball and and a bunch of other sports and so I was always kind of like I fell in love with training from when I was like my son's 13 now I remember that was about the time that I started lifting weights understanding the gym really falling in love with physical training um, so it never left my life, but I spent a lot of years um, coming to visit you guys. So I spent about a year in Europe, um, bouncing around between ski seasons and, and fishing seasons. And uh, during that time, I would either work as a trainer, kind of in the old fashioned way, you know, um, we call them like the alphabet soup. I had some of those, um, some of those organization credentials and I would, uh, and I would work at gyms. Um, and of course, if you're in that context around that time, uh, I was introduced to the concept of CrossFit founded online, um, looked absolutely you know, crazy and far out, but it had so many elements of things that I wasn't doing in the gym. Like I, I couldn't remember the last time I'd done a power clean, um, you know, and I had fully ignored anything that you would call gymnastics. Like, you know, pulling myself up on a pull-up bar was like, nah, thanks. I'm going to lift a barbell. Um, so that's probably when I found it. Um, if I fast forward the story a little bit, I was doing those seasons back and forth. And so I, I found it around 2005, followed it loosely, and then my last, um, my last season that I went to Alaska to, to fish, um, I was following it like fairly religiously, even though I was out in a remote fishing village. Uh, so I, I, I bought a treadmill from Anchorage off of Craigslist, had it shipped out like on a float plane, you know, they had to land on the river and stuff. Um, and then we would, for lifting, we had like a really janky weight set and we had a running trail and stuff like that. So um, I was doing my, my best version of CrossFit at the time. And when I made it back to the lower 48, I, I ended up in uh, Southern California at San Diego. And it was the first time that I not only saw, but realized that there were actual physical CrossFit gyms. And back then there must've been maybe 3000 gyms worldwide, maybe. Um, but this was one called US CrossFit. And it was, uh, I was staying at my buddy's dad's house, just total bum. Uh, everything I owned fit into a pickup truck. And US CrossFit was like, two skateboard kicks away from uh, his house. And so I started going to US CrossFit. And um, I, again, in the interest of time, I'll just say one thing led to another. And eventually I was able to start working at US CrossFit. Uh, It's fun if if you know who Bill Grundler is, do you know Bill Grundler? Yeah, 
Yeah. Okay. So if you go to his Instagram, me and Bill, just by happenstance, we went to our level one and our level two together. And so he just posted those pictures recently because we were texting back and forth and, and we managed to dig them up. Um, so I actually believe that was in 07 or 08 by the time I got my level one. Um, and that was fall. Like at the time, the, the way that you advanced was to take a level two, which was a comprehensive test, meaning they would literally give you 10 people and have you teach them one of the presses, one of the squats or one of the pulls, um, in the format that you would do at a level one. So it was, it was a test at the same time as it was a job interview. So um, I did well enough at my level two that year to where they invited me to come and do some internships on the level one seminar staff. And uh, yeah, so I, I was lucky enough to kind of get on the staff back in the day when, um, I don't know, I look back at it really fondly. It was, it was, those people were my heroes, right? The CrossFit games wasn't big enough yet to where it was like, um, you knew some, there were some household names and, you know, um, I really admired Matt Chan, but then I got to go and teach seminars with him. Uh, Chris Spieler was, you know, he was a legend and there I was working with him side by side and like teaching people CrossFit as well. Um, and, uh, so I did that for a couple of years where I was full-time seminar staff, be traveling around the world and, and teaching, and then also coaching in a gym and managing a gym. And at the, and you can interject anytime, cause otherwise I'll just, I'll just yap. <laughs> no, I like <laughs> but in, it. Okay, good. So in, in 2008, um, you know, I was, I was just engrossed in CrossFit.com. And I saw the announcement of the CrossFit Games, and it was the, the second annual CrossFit Games. I had never heard of it before. And so to my gym membership, I'm like, hey, this is like a six-hour drive away up in Central California. Like, who wants to go? And literally no one was interested because <laughs> I'm sure I pitched it terribly. I was like, ah, it sounds like a barbecue. People are going to do CrossFit. Like, you guys can come and watch. Um, and so nobody took me up on the offer except for one member whose dad lived in the area in Carmel. And um, so... She was there. We went to to the 08 CrossFit Games. I literally slept in the back of my truck, just camped out in uh, on the ranch. And uh, on Saturday, since I was not competing and I was uh, I was still in a little bit of a crazy Rory phase, um, we went out for drinks, had a great time, and that technically we call that our first date. That that woman became my wife eventually. Mm -hmm. um, so my first date with my wife was at the 2008 Games, and I met her sister and brother in law, who already had an affiliate established at the time. And her brother-in-law, Jordan, was making freelance videos. So uh, he was completely self-taught, kind of like a lot of us back then. We were just homegrown and self-made. Mm. And uh, the following year, we went back to the games. Um, but of course, like from, through seminar staff and things, they were like, hey, you know, can you help out with this? Can you help out with that? And uh, my role that year was for Jordan. He said, hey, look, man, I'm, I got to make these quick turnaround videos because they were making documentary coverage at the time, which wasn't going to publish for a long time, but he was making the daily videos of the 2009 games. And I, I always talk about this. I should dig them up because they were hilarious. Um, <laughs> but he was like, Hey, if you could say something on camera, it would help me to like pull these things together. And for me, it was just like, man, hell yeah. You know? So I, I slung the camera a little bit, but for the most part, I just was a smart ass and had a great time and, and uh, kind of showed people around the CrossFit games and uh, like we did an interview with Dave Castro's back because he wouldn't give me an interview. Um, <laughs> you know, we're just, we're just having a blast. And um, through that, I met a man named Tony Budding, who was the director of media at the time and had been since it was, you know, initially it was Lauren Glassman who started the website and then Tony Budding kind of took over. And he said, uh, he basically approached me about a month later and was like, hey, listen, um, I've got one employee, Pat Barber, and he's going off because he met. Tamron Taz Barber at, at that games that year. 
and he was going off to chase her to New Zealand. Like he fell in love and he wanted to go pursue her. And he's like, so look, I need, I need an employee. Would you like to work for me? Um, and uh, that was how I got drug into the media side of things. Wow. I mean, firstly, I'd like to know, I mean, obviously like you and Pat are two examples there, but how many love stories have come from CrossFit? Because, Countless. oh gosh, there must be hundreds. And I absolutely love that story. And it's, it's just so great. And I think you share, you must have shared it on Instagram, possibly your anniversary recently. Because I remember like rereading it and I was just yeah. like, that is epic. Like yeah, it was cool. no one yeah. wanted to come. It was a little unknown thing. Um, but also from that, you kind of answered my question in that, like your media experience, how that happened. Had you ever like been on front of a camera before? Did you have any media experience? Because it clearly comes quite naturally to you. <laughs> but I, I wasn't, I'll say this, I'll put it this way. I wasn't shy. And then I'll, sh- I'll share a, a secret with you that'll now be public secret. Um, and it's probably not a well-known or not a well-kept secret. The only thing I had done on camera to that point was... Um, a video series, like an ongoing video series that uh, the company Abercrombie and Fitch had done. And so I literally worked in store for them when I was in university. And, uh, and it was basically their promotional campaign is the coolest thing I've ever done, honestly, um, at least at that time for a college kid, they were like, Oh, yeah, we want you to come to Colorado and play football. And so you just went to Colorado and play football, they made a video about it, they took us heli skiing in New Zealand. Um, yeah, it was radical, but it wasn't a lot of presentation it was more like um you know it was lifestyle and just like smile for the camera say hi but um I I gravitated I I wasn't shy of a camera I guess you could say um but the credit that I have to give in terms of presentation is all from level one seminar stuff um the curriculum and I'm sure it's the same now I just haven't been involved with it for so long but the curriculum by which they brought you up as a public speaker was I, I have to think that it's second to none and I've I've been to public uh, public speaking seminars when I was at CrossFit and even the stuff that I gleaned from that like paled in comparison to the teaching that you got from someone like Pat Sherwood um, like uh, Todd Widman, Chuck Carswell you would watch these guys present on really complex topics and you would see how they interacted with the content Nicole Carroll even Dave Castro Bosman um, and they were masters of it you know um, one because they had such a great grip on the the content itself but also because they had they had practiced the craft and they had learned what was most impactful and it's almost you know i'm sure it's the same for stand-up comedy or whatever it is um where you kind of you know i'm sure you bomb a couple times you learn what works and what doesn't but they would they would start you small and you would have movement lectures and then eventually you would get into the conceptual lectures which are pretty robust um and so i at least back then what was really cool was that it was, it was, I wouldn't say that it was easy, but you could more or less take anybody that you, that you thought stood out on the seminar team and put them in front of a camera mm. and be fairly confident that they would pick it up pretty damn quick. Yeah. You I know, it's one of them things, isn't it? That now to, to be a coach and I think probably in any sport, but particularly in CrossFit, when you, you tend to have really, engaged people and, and people I don't you know people turn up to across it because they want to be there not because they have to you've really got to kind of put on a show in in a way mm-hmm. and it, it's such a thing to be a coach so it's really interesting that you're saying like actually a lot of the skills you've got from like presenting is that has actually come from coaching would you agree without a doubt without a doubt I, and you know more specifically from presenting at level ones but then certainly um yeah, a coach is a performer in, in some respects. Like I know some of the 
most analytical minds in the sport who are just as you know boring as watching paint dry when they try and run a group class right like and you get it, it's a fine mix you can't mm-hmm. you can't cater just to fun like i see you know sometimes i see the mistake of coaches just trying to do games or whatever instead of um you know actually getting people prepared for the the work that's about to come up but i've i've seen absolute masters of people that are that can take somebody through a 15 minute warm up where they learn something they gain like they at least enhance the skills that are required for some of the more complex movements they may be doing and they have a blast doing it you know um if you've ever seen if you ever seen Kelly Starrett interact with a group of people while he's talking about like you know extremely complex um body mechanics and um biology of humans and things like that it's astounding you know yeah. uh cuz he's got He's got one-liners. His wit is like razor sharp. He's extremely smart. Um, he walks the walk so he can demonstrate and show you what he's doing. Um, but yeah, that, that's in short answers. Yes, absolutely. I think that all coaches, um, and I've even heard, you know, we were talking about what CrossFit does for people from a, a confidence perspective, from a coaching perspective. I've seen a lot of new coaches who like, they're shy. They, they're not used to being in front of people. They don't like it. Or, um, you know, you've got some coaches here who, literally grew up in Cookville and they're 20, 21, 22 years old. So their mom and their mom's friends are in the class. Like that's an intimidating situation potentially, right? They're going to be supportive, but like, you know, these are your parents and you, you know, you know, anytime you try and tell your parents like something that you know better than they do, you know, it could be, it could be a difficult situation, but uh, you see them. Yeah. You see any coach who sticks with it and has good teachers and has good tutelage and, and, you know, leans on resources that are provided. Um, yeah, they really escalate in that sense. And I think that that, that definitely transfers into um, any kind of presentation, right? Absolutely. Yeah, it really does. Um, and it's funny, like you say, how not that it was easy to get back into CrossFit Media then, but there wasn't a lot of you at the time. Um, no. I'm just quite curious to know, did you ever think when you were like at that 2009 Games and you got off of this job, like, did you ever think, Firstly, the CrossFit Games, but also your career within CrossFit Media. Did you ever think it was going to go to where it's gone? I mean, I never could have told you, like, what it would look like, right? Um, and specifically with, like, it turning into, like, what what honestly was a dream job um, for me personally. Um, I could not have foreseen that. The first job that Tony gave me was... For $8 an hour, I rewrote every single journal abstract in the CrossFit journal because they had just been like, it wasn't AI back then, but whatever it was, it was just an auto grab a part of the article, right? And so my job was to read the articles and and write an abstract and and publish that on uh, CrossFit, uh, the journal at that time was I think journal.crossfit.com. And then it went into literally sitting in an office with Tony and he was I say this lovingly, but he was a psycho, right? Like I still wake up, I, I do my 5am workout because I got so accustomed to being at the office at 4.30 um, and and working, you know, 12 hour days, mostly editing videos, copywriting. Um, if you go back, uh, I actually just looked at, a, a, I like to go back and do, you know, Facebook will serve you memories, but you can go back in the CrossFit.com to like, you know, this week in CrossFit in 2009, for example. Um, and I do that from time to time. We used to publish, we used to, have to take videos, convert them into both an MOV format and a WMV, which doesn't even make sense anymore. Like it's not even a thing. And uh, so that people could play them and download them because there was no streaming back then, right? Like that, it even predated 
YouTube's popularity. I don't even know if YouTube was around when I started. Um, so um, in that sense, it was like, no, but it, it was massively passion driven, right? Like I just wanted to be part of it. Um, there was such momentum and there was such gravitas and it's like, no, I didn't know where it was going, but I knew that I wanted to be a big part of it. And even, even the behind the scenes stuff from, I guess I would, I would say that's another part of why I'm really blessed and, and think that as much as like the seminars added to it, working behind the scenes, like at the 2010 games, I was not one of the presenters. I was in the production truck and I was responsible for replays mm -hmm. and to see how that monster works and to understand the flow and the communication between directors and producers and the talent on the field and how you want to tell the stories and the complexity of a sport like ours. Um, that was hugely beneficial for me too, um, to have to kind of cut my teeth and learn the, how the technology worked and all that kind of stuff. Um, but so no, I knew, I knew that it was going to, I knew that it was going to continue to kind of explode, but, um, and I won't lie and say like, anytime that I had the opportunity to get on camera, I would, because it was it was really fun i was talking to somebody about this yesterday that the coolest thing about crossfit media back then and and still now right like uh phil is another example of this but we didn't have the production value of the phil documentary back then it was just pointing the camera at something that was already happening like there was zero fabrication required you didn't you didn't have to stop and be like hey can you say that again or you know like okay guys actually we want to like you know change the lighting you just went somewhere where people were doing amazing and cool things uh, through CrossFit and you just kind of pointed a camera at them and the edits were simple and the storytelling was simple and people ate it up like, you know, dessert because it was, we're, you know, the, the passion was at such a, like a high vibration at that time. Mm. And I think that's one thing that probably hasn't changed too much, like as much as the production value and probably the amount of of content we get but actually if you watch the games like you watch old school games videos it is them working out them being interviewed afterwards like their you know the initial reactions and we still get that now and I think it's really quite nice that we haven't lost that uh probably the quite personal aspect of it in that of getting them kind of initial reactions and um, when you kind of properly moved into the presenting side of it and it's something I'm always quite intrigued about because, and I said this to Lauren Khalil a few weeks ago, because she does obviously kind of after interviews, mm -hmm. uh, how daunting is it going up to someone when they've literally sold their soul on the floor <laughs> to then be like, hey, I'm going to point a camera in your face, give us some good content. Like, how hard is that? And I probably like initially when you first started doing it, I'm sure you're very accustomed to it now, but when you first started, how daunting was that? You know what's funny? I, excuse me, I guess what I would say is not very because the learning curve for me was so gradual that when we first, like the first update show that we ever made, no one watched it. It was 45 minutes long and we got into the weeds about scoring systems and, you know, all sorts of stuff. And like, we knew that it was pretty pedestrian, right? And so by the time that that's one part of it is like, by the time that we actually were making television, the more daunting part was fitting into, um, I guess what I would call like timelines and protocols of broadcast television, because you know, podcasts like this, I can go off on a tangent, I can talk about whatever, but uh, to do that well, um, it's it's really more about like the the constructing a good question that's gonna which is, that's more artful. So there was a lot of stuff to learn, right? Is make sure that you're asking open-ended questions, um, 
you had to have great relationships with the athletes, which I was, I was blessed with. Um, and I guess I, that would be the other side of like why it wasn't as daunting was if I interviewed Chris Spieler, it, there was a friendship behind it that we had built over years. Um, and, and actually the hardest part was having to beat that out. There was, um, there's a guy named Mike Roth, who's still a large part of, of many live broadcasts in the CrossFit space. And, um, he, he really became like the go-to director for CrossFit, the guy who decides what's on camera and, and the pictures and whatnot. And so he'd be the one in my ear. And uh, in 2013 and 14, the hardest thing that we had to get used to was you weren't allowed to hug somebody after an interview because as an interviewer, they say that it, it steals your credibility. Yeah. And um, it was really difficult because these were my people, you know? Um, CrossFit was still we were still friends off the field and you know my role was to hold the microphone and ask some questions but I always wanted to hug afterwards because it was like there did it or whatever <laughs> um and so yeah I'll never forget um me and Mike laugh about it all the time because he would be like I'd ask my final question Rich would be answering and in my ear the whole time he'd be like don't hug him don't <laughs> hug him <laughs> and then I would look at the big board and I would assume that the camera had gone away and then I give him a big hug and like Mike's you know always would cut back on accident or like you know trying to get rich walking away and he's like that you know shouting in my ear um but uh yeah so for me you know um Lauren came into it when it was very established and I she probably she might have had a different answer but for me having that having so much time under tension when like the stakes were a lot lower. Mm, like yeah. I said, if I can find you those 2009 videos, you'll laugh your face off. Like it was, I was wearing a ridiculous t-shirt, had my sunglasses on and we were just like, we're just having fun. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, the harder part was fitting into like the world of ESPN and the world of CBS where you had to kind of put on a professional face and wear a polo and, you know, follow, follow their protocols. Mm -hmm. um, and then I think, I think the biggest Thing for me that helped me like open announcements used to be particularly um stressful for me I guess like just because I you know I felt uh because I had a larger part in those shows yeah uh but I my constant mantra and reminder that was that made it a lot easier was that it was not about me it was like I was basically just kind of a vessel to get the athletes talking because at the end of the day like people wanted to hear from them and they didn't want me to they didn't know need to know like mm -hmm. My question didn't need to be set up with like, well, you know, in 2009, I did this and I did that and whatever. It's like, nah, man, like ask a quick question that the athlete can expand on and talk about um, and make it about them. And that's like, that was a huge release of pressure because ultimately like a great interview or anybody, like even in a podcast, um, Joe Rogan, you know, I think that he does a great job of asking good questions and giving input where it matters, but then just getting the hell out of the way and letting that person be the show, you know? Are you stuck at a plateau and without a recent PB? Mergs has you covered. Bringing you the highest performance CrossFit and weightlifting equipment on the market, Mergs is your secret weapon to set a new best. Whether that's knee sleeves, grips or tape, Mergs has everything you need to stay protected and performing. Head over to mergs.com now and save 15% on all orders with the code WAD15. Agreed. And I think it's quite interesting because back in the day, like, and I don't think to a degree athletes are media trained now, but certainly CrossFitters now have much more uh, publicity. They have managers. They are on podcasts. They're mm -hmm. off, off season. They're doing things that are 
you know, allowing them to kind of understand how to answer questions and things like that. But actually back in 2000, even 2014, like these people had never been on camera before, you know, and they're going on an open announcement with millions of people watching. Yes. Did Is it hard to kind of work with people when they, and also they've got their own thing going on, right? They're not there to answer questions. They're there to work out. So what's the kind of, um, like, how do you establish that? Obviously, as you say, it's about asking the right questions, but do you notice the difference when someone, I suppose, doesn't know how to answer is my question. Yeah, and I, and I, uh, um, there's there's some really poignant ones that are that are more obvious, like some athletes don't have good English or some athletes are, yeah, they're, they're more nervous. Um, they're more nervous about their English sounding poor than something else, right? So um, again, I think that was more about the relationships and being able to be like, hey, dude, here's what I was thinking about asking, like, is that going to work? Because you have a little bit of time with them, right, to collect them and, and you got some moments with them before. Um, some athletes really want you to avoid certain questions, which, you know, out of respect, you, you got to do the best you can do between what the audience wants to hear and um, and not harpooning your relationship with somebody. But um, yeah, with, so with like, um, and his English is insanely good now, but like BKG, I used to be like, you know, his first year, I'd be like, hey, bro, like you feel comfortable talking about this? Like my first question will be this, my second one will be this, and my my last one will be this. Like, you want to think about that? Like what you might want to say? Um and then some other people are just like, there's, there's nothing you can do. They're going to be a little stressed out. Um, and I don't remember exactly what years, but I know over the years, we, um, we would give some media input, like at the initial briefings, Tony Budding, for example, would go out there and he'd be like, Hey, you know, just a couple of things to think about. Um, and they were simple, right? Like look at the camera, um, you know, keep, keep your answer simple. You don't have to say more than you want to. Um, and then I think that became, um, that became uh, not obligatory over time, like people could come with it or not. Um, and and it was person to person, right? Because again, if you got Chris Spieler or Matt Chan or Cara Saunders, like you you didn't have to say a word. You could just be like, Cara Saunders, and she'd just give you an amazing soundbite, right? She's just a machine. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them because they do public speaking, some of them just because it's their personality. And you'll still see that today, right? Um, and even in, in professional sports all over the place, like the athletes who are really practiced with media, Sometimes they won't even ask the question that's that's asked to them. They'll yeah. be like, they'll talk about what they want to talk about. You know, they're like, oh, that's a great question. Actually, what I was they thinking about it. though was, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, so it, I would try and obviously try and set them up for success, especially in the smaller shows, like an invitational or an open announcement where um, there's more of a spotlight and you got a little bit more time to talk. Um, and most athletes would, would loosen up. And as I said, it's all about, uh, you know development and opportunity and, and relationships at the end of the day and that's one of my probably my one of my favorite things about CrossFit when it comes to the elite sport of it is that actually the athletes are still pretty down to earth and you you feel quite close to them and I can imagine obviously from your side that that probably helps quite a lot um going through like your career within CrossFit HQ and CrossFit Media you obviously as you say like you found CrossFit early on before half these people now (laughs) even heard of it an OG and someone that probably has seen more than most and particularly within the development of the sport and this is a a very open-ended question but overall like what was that experience like seeing not just the games grow but the sport of CrossFit grow in the time that you were there? 
Um, I guess uh, I'll do what I just said, and I'll, I'll kind of I'll, I'll answer it a little bit differently because <laughs> what um, what the short answer was it was tremendous. Like I feel incredibly blessed um, for for two reasons that I'll touch on, and then I'll I'll talk about um, the two. Um, we used to always sit around and just kind of like with Bosman in particular, um, Justin Berg also like tried not to let each other forget that the opportunity to do meaningful work is something that like, I got a lot of friends who make a ton of money and I got a lot of friends who do, they work for like really high powered organizations, but I don't have a lot of friends who, um, have the opportunity to be part of something like we were part of where one, I'd still believe that it revolutionized fitness. Um, I know firsthand like Phil that it's changed a bajillion lives. I can't put a number on it. Right. And so, and, and even like I treasure when I was coaching, you know, level one seminars and especially at a gym, like high touch where you could see that change over time. Like, you know, Josh Malone got, he, he saw Phil the first time he walked in the door worked with him. And now he sees that, like, that's a really special interaction to have with somebody. And so, um, I treasure that, you know, like, even if I, whatever, I was down on my luck and I had to work at, you know, um, a retail store or, you know, do manual labor for the rest of my life, then I would still hold that in, in my heart, like as something that not a lot of people get to experience. Um, and then I guess what I would say about the sport and CrossFit is I also, you know, I think it's, it, it stumbled a little bit here, but what it, what it was then, and it's a generational shift. And I was talking to somebody about this yesterday. So I never want to represent it like one's good and one's bad. They're just, it's just evolution. But that time period that I mentioned, like, especially two, through 2010, like seven through 10. And then even I would say till 14, most of the athletes were affiliate owners or most of the athletes it was still had like it, it, I don't want to call it an amateur element to it but like they still had these really diverse backgrounds where it just wasn't a reality for anybody who wasn't like Rich Froning or Annie Thor's daughter or um the people that were winning consistently to be a full-time CrossFit athlete yeah. right it was it was working towards that but especially like 2009 this is like oh that dude's a firefighter and you know that woman the, the woman who won the 2008 games was selling wooden rings out of her garage and now she owns road fitness. Um, and, you know, so it was back then it had this, th there wasn't the sport and the training methodology. Mm -hmm. It was like the sport was so, it, it was geekier. It was like, people were so entrenched. Well, what does this mean for like how we're going to train in the gym later on? And like, what are we actually proving through this, uh, through this test of fitness? And um, they were still hugely, um, they weren't mutually exclusive at that point. Right. There was no way somebody said like, Oh, well, why don't, you know, why don't we separate the games out? It would be like, what are we talking about? Like, it's, it's impossible. They were, um, it wasn't even symbiotic. They were basically one in the same. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that time for that, that was my golden years, but that's just like, and I recognize that's a dude with more years behind him and lots more gray hair than a lot of people who are fans, you know, in present day. Um, because present day, the, the formula has shifted. And now you can talk about, you know, games athletes are professional athletes. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and there's less of an, there's less of a uh, intertwining of sport and methodology. Um, and I don't, I don't, uh, again, it's not a criticism. It's just a, it's maybe everything has to evolve and change. Yeah. Um, 
but that was those were that was really cool for me back then when it would be again i'll use cara as an example like she'd win something and she's talking about she's saying hi to her gym back home or you know annie thor's daughter any kind of you know similar to what rich has done here in cookville like if you've ever been to crossfit reykjavik it's i think they got thousands of people coming to that yeah. gym and it's a freaking amazing um or you know the way that it's run it's just hugely organized yeah. and, and uh very cool um but you know she shows up to an affiliate that she owns and she back then i think was still coaching and um and sam briggs and all these people were um chris spieler i keep going back to him but like they were they were teaching seminars and then coming and you know placing on the podium at the crossfit games so yeah that that was um that was a really special time in that sense it's funny because i don't think i don't know if i answered the question <laughs> it's fine it was a good answer it doesn't matter what you answered yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> It's funny because I almost feel now people that become, you'd almost find more, and hopefully I'm going to allocate this right. That's not even a word, but you know what I mean. Um, you'd almost find more elite athletes who have been successful at the games then opening affiliates rather than people that have opened affiliates to go onto the games. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think that's because now, like, look, I'm here at Mayhem and I see – I see how many how many hours of training they have to do like they're not just they're not just banging their head against the wall because they're like bored um they figured out the formula for success and it's it's a it's a lot of long hard work right so it doesn't lend itself well to um if you use like the the pie chart of your life analogy like you know especially if you've got a wife or husband or um kids or whatever another job like you've only got so much attention and energy in a day and yeah, there's only so much you can do. Yeah. And again, I think part of it is just the, the timeline has gone on. Right. So we, I laugh about this all the time that Haley Adams, Justin Medeiros, um, any of those young athletes, like they were like nine years old when Rich won his last or his first championship. Right. So they weren't around for that stuff. And then by the time that they arrived as teenagers and they were doing really well, those doors were open for them to, focus on their training as a job um and why wouldn't you you know absolutely if you if you can why wouldn't you um yeah. you, you mentioned rich then i want to talk about obviously mayhem we met we mentioned it at the beginning um yeah. as to why kind of why you chose to move to mayhem but how did that opportunity come up and i know you have touched on it but why did you choose to take it yeah uh, well i guess, I guess there's a the happiness sad side to it um in 2017 so like uh, when when all of the crossfit media was fired i survived that so to speak and continued working with the organization at crossfit health um but northern california was an expensive place to live we have kids and we weren't you know they were they were coming up on middle school age and and a really long story short is that we wanted to raise them somewhere else and so it was kind of like a away we go if you've ever seen that movie me and my wife were like all right let's just throw some tarps at a map and think about where we want to go because um the, we knew that we were going to leave california um within that process i got fired from crossfit and um we so so our timeline was you know the, the shot clock was uh hastened up a little bit and nashville was on our list i'm from austin texas um i love the mountains so all this stuff was kind of on the board and we visited a few places, but during that time, I kind of started a freelance career. I was still traveling around to cover CrossFit events and, and mostly just YouTubing, um, working with some brands. Um, and uh, I visited, uh, Hillary and Rich invited me out to 
uh, MC one of their nonprofit events called Mayhem for Mustard Seed. And so Nashville was already on the list, but Cookville wasn't even in contention. Well, I came out and I had been here for maybe two seminars. So I've been to Cookville before, but when you do a seminar, like you say like, oh, I went to Sydney, Australia, but like really you showed up on Friday, you did a seminar Saturday, Sunday inside of a gym and you left on, you know, Sunday night or Monday mm -hmm. morning. So you don't see much, but the inside of the gym. Um, but I actually had time to kind of get around, meet a lot more people, see what they were doing here. Like even just that one event was super impactful. And, um, and I came home and almost jokingly to my wife was like, I mean, Hey, what about Cookville? And we, we kind of laughed about it for a second, but then we decided to come back and, and it was just me and her. Um, we came back and we were like, dude, it's got so many of the elements we love. She's from Michigan. I'm from Texas. It has, um, I mean, good people is obviously a checkbox, but it has a lot of open space. It's a super affordable place, very wholesome and uh, good school systems, all the things. And so then we decided we brought the kids back for spring break. And by the end of that trip with the kids, which was our biggest concern is like moving kids across the country. Um, we were looking for houses by the end of the time we left. Um, yeah. And, and so we moved fairly rapidly and the, the long story short is like, I didn't work for rich for about a year. I was here for probably a year. Um, but just in the same way that I did with CrossFit, like just trying to provide value wherever I could, um, you know, suggestions, um, you know, helping them when opportunities persist, but not trying to be pushy um, and really didn't have the intention of working for Mayhem because freelance stuff was going well. Um, I was doing a lot of work with Noble at the time um, and and it was fine, but uh, I helped them with the Mayhem Classic and got to work like long hours with Josh Malone, um, really see how they did things. And I was I was just uber impressed, you know, like, People were cool. They were still balanced, but they got a lot of stuff done. Uh, there was there's the obvious gravitas of CrossFit mayhem that you just can't explain. Like people are drawn to it, and um, yeah. And after that, it was maybe a month or two, and Rich was like, "Hey, dude, like, you know, would you would you like to be part of this?" And it wasn't even. <laughs> it's it's funny from an outside looking in, but like back then, I was like, "Yeah, I would love to." Um, like, who does what around here? I was like, well, you know, "Who makes the videos?" And he was like, "Oh, Dre does that." Dre was one of his team members who won the championship that year. I was like, oh, okay, well, who does the website? He's like, Dre does that. Oh, okay, who does the social media? Dre does that. Who does the t-shirt designs? Dre does that. I was like, oh my God, dude, like who <laughs> Dre's a one-man show around here. And so um it was a it was a really cool time because from then it's just been massive rapid growth. It has. Is there any part of you that obviously you mentioned you've worked with a few brands, but with the freelance stuff and going and and speaking to athletes from, and I know training camps are a, a newer thing, but athletes that aren't mayhem athletes etc did you think you'd lose that or was there any part of you that was slightly concerned that that was going to change your relationships or the way your career was going to go certainly yeah absolutely it's funny you say that like um yeah and, and and again the way that I digest it is the same way that I look you know back at, at the CrossFit careers like you know I, I treasure those times where like I got to be in contact with everybody and doing the same thing. I'm like, look, friendships don't, friendships don't die because of brand affiliation. And if they do, they weren't friendships before. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, certainly. Um, certainly it was a, it was a concern and it was, um, you know, it's a, it's a difficult thing to say goodbye to, but at the end of the day, the previous iteration of what I had been doing is like, it just wasn't even, it wasn't a reality anymore. I suppose you could make the argument that I could be, um, you know, YouTubing or, 
whatever that would look like, maybe working with CrossFit in a different iteration. But I was I was kind of emotionally wounded at the time. Like I definitely did not want to work with CrossFit, the organization. And um and I did not like being I did not like YouTubing. Um mm -hmm. mostly like I love working with a team, you know. So I love making good media and I do love those connections more than anything. Like just having good conversations like this, just talking to people. Um, but uh in the context of like shoot yourself and then look at your own face and edit yourself for you know for videos and things like that it just like i found it to be less rewarding than working with a team who had a mission and who was doing some pretty amazing things and so um yeah that concern evaporated and and like i said you can't you can't miss that job because it doesn't even exist anymore at least not in the way that it used to mm. and so um i treasure it as a memory but um all that stuff kind of evaporated with the the amazing stuff i get to be a part of here yeah it's a very lonely place as well freelancing i think and you've gone from i think with with mayhem which is undoubtedly one of the biggest crossfit communities in the world probably the biggest like you literally went from being a one-man show to being a part of it um did obviously you, you'd already made the move and everything when when you started there but I'm sure you you think you made the right decision but kind of looking back do you ever wish you'd maybe made it sooner like started to, like is there anything that's like no it all fell into place at the same time or is there anything you change about the way it all happened um no I think it I think it did like you know you know um I'm a let's see sometimes it's hard to to digest these things right but um I do believe like, well, one, one thing is like, if I hadn't been fired from CrossFit, I never would have left. And so in that sense, the, it was a massive gift because, um, even though I missed some of those things that we just talked about, like I've also gotten to flex completely different muscles and help an organization in a way that, um, I probably wouldn't have the opportunity to do otherwise. Um, so I got to evolve as a person in, in lots of ways where, um, you know, you go through something like that, where you're very, I think, I think the CrossFit's unique, at least my, my relationship with it is because it's your hobby, it's your passion, it's, and then it's your job as well. That when I was fired from CrossFit, it was like, you know, it was a grieving to do. Right. So, um, there was, uh, but it also opened me up to some blind spots where I was like, Whoa, you're like really lacking in that respect. Or, you know, you, you are very unbalanced in, in this other respect as well. And so in that way, it was like, I can't imagine, I can't imagine life if I, if it wouldn't have happened. Right. Um, so, so it's, yeah, it's a massive blessing. No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go back and change anything about it. Um, and I'll say that for all the stuff in my life, right? Like, yeah. um, um, no, no regrets in that sense. Um, and especially where we're at right now, it's like, I, I get <laughs> for all the amazing opportunities that I had back then, like I have just as many now, right? Like I work for a dude who's like, Hey, we're going to go ride a hundred miles on a, on a mountain bike and you have to come. I'm like, okay, okay. <laughs> you know, like we're going to go, we're going to go to this, you know, this event, we really need you there to kind of like, just, you know, help out and be around. It's like, okay, that sounds awesome. Um, so yeah, working, working with, you know, amazing people, but also like specifically rich who just like likes to do cool things and, mm -hmm. and drags his friends along with him. Um, it's, it's pretty sweet. And I'm way more balanced here than I was at CrossFit. Um, and again, that's not a knock against CrossFit. It's just, um, habits that I had to create for myself that in that context, I was so blinded by passion that, um, 
you know, my, my fitness actually decreased usually while I was working for CrossFit versus, you know, which is, which is kind of a, an irony really. Yeah. Uh, you kind of have really well segued into what my, my next and probably one of my final questions is going to be for you, because I will let you go. We've obviously got to do our quick fire, but what's your, your personal relationship with CrossFit like now? The organization? The sport. Um, what an interesting question. Um, obviously, I maintain lots of personal relationships with um, with all of the athletes who I had personal relationships before, and I try and create as many new ones as I possibly can because I find them to be tremendously interesting people. And for all the reasons that they always have been, um, even if I don't resonate with them on a personal level, I'm inspired by all of them because they've accomplished amazing things, right? That's why that's why people love the sport so much is because they well, I think most fans do CrossFit. And so then when you see people do it at this incredibly high level, um, at the very least, you have to respect them. Um, even if you're not, even if you're not like, oh, I don't really vibe with that person. I don't want to follow them on Instagram. You're still like, wow, they're, they're an incredible athlete. And I, I know that what it takes to get to that level also makes you better as a human being. It's just, mm -hmm. I, I believe that. Um, my, I guess my relationship with the sport is that I am a, um, you know, integral member of CrossFit Mayhem, which I think has a huge impact, a huge voice in the space. Um, um, I like to think that I have, um, you know, historically, I guess would be an easier way for me to answer the question, but now, um, I'm trying to, we at Mayhem are trying to make decisions that, um, benefit the greater good, um, which, you know, not just like be greedy and take opportunities that only benefit Mayhem but try and keep it alive um, and, and really get back to a place of greatness because, you know, one, we all have legacies, but especially you look at somebody like Rich, um, who's, you know, people write books and make movies about him. And then all the people that I watch in the gym who are working just as hard, who haven't had their shot yet, or they're on the brink, or they're in the middle of a career that they're creating. Um, yeah. And then from there, I don't know. I don't know with the, uh, with the sport as a whole, how I'd like define my relationship. I am a, I'm, I'm, I'm less of a voracious fan, meaning like I used to be like facts and facts, I used to be like Brian friend, you know, like, Oh, let me tell you everybody's friend time since 1962. Um, but, um, but I still enjoy watching the games just as much as ever. Um, this year at the CrossFit games, I actually had such a good time. Um, came, came away with a really optimistic view of, you know, what's to come. Um, you know, what's on the horizon in terms of the sporting aspect of it. Uh, felt like a big bounce back, both from a community vibe standpoint and, and the actual sport itself. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll muzzle myself there because um, that's when I got to do some more thinking about. Yeah, no, that was a very, very apt and interesting answer. Thank you for that. Um, I'm going to go to quickfire, but I'm just going to quickly touch on what you said about the games, because actually I think yeah. what you've just said there in how this year's felt was felt widely like I felt yeah, that good. and I think it's it's really it's nice to hear that it was kind of came from being there um because yeah I think a lot of people from from people I've spoken to who were there or whatever it is the vibe it felt back to CrossFit this year if that makes sense um so have you been to the games not yet what no oh come fast. on good. let's go when they well, were like 
releasing the location I was like well it's probably not going to be Europe so that's fine but <laughs> I have always wanted to go to Texas so hopefully oh, let's go this should be your year yes fingers crossed uh, I'm going to throw some quick fire at you I've got a feeling they might they hopefully will be quick some people d- don't take the quick fire out of it um okay. I know you compete as well I know you're an avid athlete favorite lift clean and jerk nice uh favorite but I'll, I, I, here's I'll, I'll slow it down sorry but i don't consider myself a competitor i'll go and do like um i've taken the competitive aspect out of it for myself for multiple reasons mm-hmm. but mostly because i don't uh i see what it takes to be good at that so i'll go do like a non-profit event or something like that but i don't consider myself a competitor sorry go uh, no i like that neither do i but i don't even do <laughs> right. uh favorite overall movement boo not because I'm good at it, but because you can take it anywhere. I love an air squat. Nice. Um, and this is one, this is quite an OG question, actually, which I like to, because you have been there from, from very near the beginning. Uh, favorite benchmark wad? I love Helen, and it was really fun to see it at the CrossFit Games in all of its iterations. I think that it's a really cool expression of balls to the wall fast like breaks off crossfit or fran and again i hate to do fran but i think that fran is the fran is the benchmark workout mm-hmm. do you know what's funny and i'm now the one not making these quick but i when i started this podcast and i was thinking of quick fire questions i was gonna have watch your fran time and then i thought no i don't want it to be on who's best at what but also so many athletes these days have never done it it's wild it's really shocking um but there you go that's, that's a terrible answer because yeah they'll do they'll do, they'll do they'll do quadruple fran but they won't yeah. just do fran they as fast as possible as yeah. um now you uh live and work within an affiliate who has had the most successful teams ever at the crossfit games if you were to either be on a team or pick a dream team to take to the games who would you have with you like on my team yeah steven south have- Sorry, Here you go. Steven saying... South, Steven South, Mills Rogers, and Stevie Goldie. Those are my, that's my morning workout crew. So I no one that. will know them. We we work out at 5 a.m. every single day. We're dads. We hit like the first Metcon on Mayhem Athlete, maybe some lifting. Um, but they're like my, totally my gym besties. Um, and that's extended way outside the gym too. So um, yeah, that's my, I'd, I'd take them to the games and we would get absolutely annihilated, but we'd have a blast. Amazing. And uh, this is one, it's a special question that I only ask non non-elite athletes uh because you've been to a lot of them your favorite off-season comp the invitational used to be the shit like uh it doesn't happen anymore but um sorry does it have to be in existence still no yeah the the invitational was the junk it was like perfect viewable like short duration so it's perfect for television but also the athletes loved it lots of personality involved cool events and we would go all around the world with it so you know i got to go to madrid i got to go to berlin i got to go to um yeah we went to australia one year like that that was a good good vibes amazing well thank you so so much for your time Rory. Hey, my pleasure the stories it's been an absolute pleasure thank you this is great 